From WAB News, you're listening to The Outlet, where campus meets community. I'm Grace Warner. And I'm Abby Grise. Each week on The Outlet, we bring you stories from the Athens and Ohio University communities. Today is our last show of the season, and we have some pretty interesting stories for you all. Two of our reporters earlier this semester did a story on President McDavis and his transition out of office. Today we'll be sharing part two of their story. November is Diabetes Awareness Month, and one of our reporters delves into why this disease is such an important topic to learn about. It's a very important disease because of how prevalent it is, and actually 30 million Americans have diabetes. And it's important to get knowledge out there because the earlier you catch it, the better your chances are to put it off and not have it affect you as much as it can. We'll give you all the details and more coming up right here on The Outlet. A couple weeks ago, Brooklyn Donahue and Allie Eldridge covered what many people will miss about President Roderick McDavis when he leaves his position here at OU. Today, they cover what the university is looking for in the president's successor in the second part of their two-part series on President McDavis. Ohio University is expecting a big change in 2017. The university's president of 13 years will be stepping down and a new leader will be taking his place. Ohio University president and alum Dr. Roderick McDavis announced his departure from his position earlier this year. He'll even move on to a position at another college in June of 2017. A search team has been assembled by the Board of Trustees and they are in phase two of their four-step plan for finding the school's 21st president. The team is currently screening each of the potential candidates. Hannah Clauser is a member of the search committee as well as president of the Student Senate. The first step was assembling the search committee as well as hiring Whit Kiefer, who's the search firm helping us. And now the process that they're kind of wrapping up currently is... um, Selecting people, getting, you know, the job of the search firm is to look for good people to apply, push it out as much as they can, push it out to people that maybe wouldn't apply if they weren't encouraged to. She's also enthusiastic about the opportunity to make a difference in the school. It's been cool as a student to see, um, you know, they gave us this document and they said, send any edits. And then, like, so then I, like, just sent my, just, like, my small edits. Like, I really want to see, like, I wanted to make it more clear that, like, I really want an engaging president with students. And then, like, they took my edits in, and now it's in the final document. And so it's cool. Even if it's a small difference, you feel like you're making some some difference in the process. University Communications and Marketing employee Daniel Pittman was unavailable for a physical interview, but he provided more understanding on what the university is looking for in McDavis's successor. Dan provided information that stated the university is seeking an experienced leader with the vision and leadership qualities to build on the institution's already illustrious reputation and continue to develop it to even higher levels of academic and research excellence. Hannah has high hopes for the next president. Connecting with students is an important factor for her. I'm hopeful that the candidates that we get will be uh, strong leaders. Um, I think we're a great institution, so hopefully we attract some great candidates. just, I mean, based on feedback that we can see, I'm sure we can expect to see someone that comes from academia, um, at least one of the candidates. And, I mean, I personally will fight for a candidate who's very willing to be involved with students. While President McDavis will be missed, the university is looking forward to what a new leader could bring. The 21st president of Ohio University will be announced in March of 2017. For The Outlet, I'm Brooklyn Donahue. Court 
industry is the place to be on the weekends, and even business owners are taking advantage of that. Many restaurants are open until late and attract crowds as they go home. For employees, the late shift is an interesting one. Elise Hammond has more about it. Throughout the week, thousands of students walk across the bricks of Court Street. But on the weekends, the energy is different. It's almost 11 p.m. on Saturday, and many people are headed to the bars. Some are going to parties, and others are just going into work. The many restaurants and food trucks surrounding the Court Street action need employees to put in those late hours. Even though working until 3.30 a.m. at the Burrito Buggy doesn't sound like an ideal way to spend a Saturday night, Chase Goodwin has been an employee for over a year and a half. He says the late night weekends have a unique flow of people. What will happen is it'll be pretty dead because everybody will be in the bar. Like we'll have the people going to the bar and we'll f serve them their food. And then there'll be this point where everybody's where they're at for the night, be it a party at the bar, whatever. And then right around midnight towards one o'clock, there's like crazy lines that we just have to get through and we'll have two people, one person doing orders and one person making all the food as quickly as possible. Despite the late night and hectic rushes, Chase says that the good tips from the crowd coming home is what makes it worth it. Unlike the burrito buggy that shuts its windows after 3.30, the Union Street Diner is open 24 hours. The madness of the night shift is nothing new to waiter Tim Buck, however. He has worked at USD for four and a half years and has been on the night shift for two. Tim has had his fair share of people stumbling in from their night out, but his most memorable incident was slightly different. Yeah, it was, a, it was a really good time when I served a celebrity. I served Aaron Carter. Aaron Carter, as in the 90s pop star. Tim says Aaron and his entourage, consisting of young-looking girls and large men, came in after a concert they played at the university in 2014. I was downstairs when I started hearing people say, dude, Aaron Carter's up, upstairs, Aaron Carter's up there. And, my ta and it was my table. So I come upstairs, and I see this little blonde guy with a couple girls around him, but I wasn't sure if it was really Aaron Carter or not, because I didn't see him in concert. Tim says he was a big fan of Aaron's when he was younger, but he was skeptical that it was really him. So I get up there and, you know, I see him sitting there and I go over to get his drink and then I heard him talk and I was like, oh my God, this is definitely Aaron Carter because his voice was super high pitched. And I was like, that is definitely him. That is nuts. Tim says that other than his run-in with Aaron Carter, he's also had to deal with people falling asleep in booths and one man even attempting to eat hash browns out of a hat. Around 2 o'clock when the bars close, it gets pretty crazy. But uh, I always had a good time with it. Some people get a little bit more impatient with the drunken shenanigans, but I always had fun. There are over 20 places in the Uptown area that serve food late at night. So remember, as long as there are people who go to the bars, there will always need to be someone else across the counter. For the outlet, this is Elise Hammond. Here at The Outlet, we are always looking for ways to bridge the gap between campus and community. Some OU students will have the opportunity to do just this, but in a different country. Beth Greenman tells us about a new study abroad trip to Japan and South Korea. Imagine traveling across the world to be in Historic City's Peace Park for its Memorial Day and to help build another peace park in a landscape that's been untouched for decades. Some OU students will be doing just that over the summer. 
Korea and Japan, Hiroshima, and the DMZ Ethnology of Environmental Peacebuilding will take place during the first two weeks of August. Students will visit the Hiroshima Peace Park as well as take part in the building of some of the new peace park being developed in the DMZ. Our vision is to, for it to be a very hands-on grassroots level program by working with local residents, by connecting with local students in Hiroshima. Along with the room and board comes free access to guides and A-bomb survivors and free trips to the peace park and, you know, guides that will take us through the museums and maybe introduce us to some volunteer projects that we can be involved in. We'll be living locally as we, in the case of Korea, do some manual labor to actually physically start building parts of the park. That was Dr. Christopher Thompson. He's been studying Japanese language and culture for 20 years and teaching at OU for 15. He was born and raised in Japan and will be going on the trip with students. He says much of the trip will be focused not just on the history and study of peace building in Japan and Korea, but also on local community engagement. That's part of the lifestyle of being a peacemaker is to help whoever is in need. And so by uh, engaging ourselves in the community at the local level, that's how we hope to learn about this. The program will also seek to enlighten students on aspects of Hiroshima's history that they may not have considered before. That's another uh, part of the story of Hiroshima and A-bomb survival and peace building and you know the racial tensions and the ethnic tensions that existed even among the victims in Japan. There were American victims too. A lot of people don't know about that. And so we'll meet some of their descendants and we'll be doing you know volunteer work with them. Students will be in Hiroshima for the city's annual Memorial Day. In Hiroshima, they will stay at the World Friendship Center, a grassroots organization whose mission is to educate people on the A-bomb and its effects. In Korea, students will be staying in country inns and guest houses. This was a deliberate decision both to keep costs down and to see how locals in the area live. The trip is currently in the recruitment stage. Right now, what we're doing is we are recruiting students. The application is open and will be open through February 1st of 2017. So we're in recruitment. During recruitment, we're also making sure we've got all the paperwork ready so we can make payments quickly, you know, once students are lined up. So marketing and recruitment is what it's all about right now. Office of Global Opportunities Director Dr. Katherine Marshall says the trip is currently in the recruitment stage. She feels the trip will be incredibly meaningful to students. I was able to go to Hiroshima with a group of students studying in Japan and went to the Peace Park, and it is such a powerful and moving experience that I think that experience will speak to students and there's a lesson there and a lesson of you know rebuilding and hope and peace for the future and I'm hoping that that will resonate with our students as well. For The Outlet, I'm Beth Greenman. In a lifetime, the average person will throw away 600 times their adult weight in garbage, according to the Ohio Environmental Protection Agency. In order to promote recycling, 3,600 recycling bins have been administered throughout Athens County. Lexi Mathabel and Taylor Brook have more. Recycling is becoming more important as issues like global warming and pollution continue to rise, and Ron Lucas is realizing this. Ron is the Deputy Service Safety Director for the City of Athens. He applied for the grants for the bins. The bins require people to pay a recycling support fee of $3.50 a month. 
The grant worth $125,000 was initially rejected. Athens got the city council to appropriate money to purchase 5,000 of the bins that now have microchips in them. The 64-gallon recycling containers were given throughout Athens to residential homes as well as apartments from the end of October into the beginning of November. The bins have the popular three R's recycling slogan on the side. Reuse, reduce, recycle. That is the message the Athens Hawking Recycling Center is hoping to send to residents. Ron is optimistic that the new recycling bins will encourage people to separate their trash from the recycling, which will in turn better the environment. Recycle more. Recycle more, throw away less. That's, that's ultimately the, the goal. Considering it has only been a couple weeks since the bins have been given out, the city of Athens does not yet have enough data to judge the impact, but the feedback from the community has been good so far. The response that we've gotten overall is that there's more trash that's being diverted. Each bin has a microchip that is unique to its owner. The chip is coded to a serial number, which is coded to an address. At some point in the future, the Athens Hawking Recycling Center hopes to achieve data from the microchips. Some of this data might include things like the weight of the bin, how many times the bin is being emptied, and more complex data down the line. He also hopes that since the bins are so large and have wheels on the bottom, that will provide convenience for residents to recycle more. The old bins were only 18 gallons without a lid and wheels, causing them to overflow and be heavy. OU freshman Haley Now is concerned about the future of the environment and hopes this initiative will help people recycle more. The amount of plastic and cardboard I see in class like really kind of upsets me. I don't think people really realize how easy it is. Mixed recyclables such as plastic, cardboard, and glass can be thrown in the bins together, which makes recycling as simple as throwing away something in the trash can. It's a small way for people to do their part in helping the environment, right in the comfort of their own home. For The Outlet, I'm Lexi Mathbell. November is National Diabetes Awareness Month, and Ohio University has made efforts to connect with people in the community who are affected by this disease. The outlet's Matt Morris talked with student diabetes advocates to learn why it's such a concern. Good morning. We're here promoting Diabetes Awareness Month. Would you be interested in learning more about diabetes prevention? Uh, no, I wouldn't. That is the common response that diabetes advocates hear when they attempt to enlighten people about the increasing prevalence of the disease. So why should anyone care? Nick Whitaker is a pre-med student at Ohio University. He is involved with the Diabetes Certificate Program and understands the issues he will be facing when he becomes a doctor. It's a very important disease because of how prevalent it is and actually 30 million Americans have diabetes and it's important to get knowledge out there because the earlier you catch it, the better your chances are to put it off and not have it affect you as much as it can. Both types of diabetes is projected to affect one in seven Americans by 2030. It is one of the quickest growing diseases in the United States, and that trend is not changing because we all eat terribly. Yadit D'Agostino is a psychology major at OU. She is originally from Peru and offers a very meaningful perspective. Diabetes can happen to anyone. Well, I have type 1 diabetes and uh, by experience I know that it is not something that I cause it. I didn't expect it in my life. It happened suddenly, but I feel like it can happen to anyone else. So I feel like uh, everyone should be 
informed. Education, along with nutrition and exercise, play key roles in diabetes management. Nick shares a similar feeling with Yadit as to the randomness of who can be at risk. Some children can just develop it with absolutely no bad lifestyle choices. It's just a genetic factor and they can have it and it actually is so dangerous that they can die in their sleep. Charles Riley is a nutrition major at OU as well as a type 1 diabetic. He says that although diabetes may be irreversible, it doesn't always prove to be fatal. And there is hope for living a semi-normal way of life, but people with diabetes must focus on maintaining their health. It's unlike any other disease in that it's both extremely serious, but it's also livable. So it's not like cancer in that it's steaming towards the end. Uh, it's more you have to live with it every day and you have to do it efficiently or you experience serious complications in the long run. With diabetes, the most important thing is managing your blood glucose. At every meal, you have to make sure you count whatever amount of carbs you take in, and you need to counteract it with either medication or exogenous insulin, depending on how bad the disease is and which type you have. Diabetes is a complex disease because it can affect the way you think and feel. Yadit says diabetes affects everything. Starting from blood sugars, going from low to high, it can affect, for me, it affects my humor, my, my performance at school. When I have high blood sugars, I really can't concentrate and I can't really focus and, and I can like, function well with my friends. Or, and yeah, it can, it can affect yourself and also the way you, you socialize with other people. The chances of developing diabetes are trending upward, and no one is certain why. Chances are you already know someone who has. Developing diabetes isn't the end of the world, but it does create a new direction in your life, and you may find yourself saying, yes, yes, I would like to know more about diabetes prevention. For The Outlet, I'm Matt Morris. With racial tensions high across the country, two of our reporters wanted to know if these feelings were prevalent here on campus. Our reporters Jennifer Prempe and Arnold Vunda talked with students about their experiences. Do you feel there is racism at Ohio University? We asked this question to 30 students around the campus, one half white and the other one black, male and female. The result, the majority of 25 people said, yes, they feel there is racism on campus. One of those is Jasmine Pearl, the vice president of the Black Student Union and an RA in a campus dorm. We met Jasmine in the Multicultural Center and asked her why she feels there is racism on campus. Simply because I've seen it with my own eyes. I have residents that have come to me and have complained about things that they've heard or they've seen. I've had residents say to me that they've been called like a girl that was walking home at night. And she was called the N-word by students that were in a house having a party. Trishon Call believes that racism is on campus because some people haven't had much contact with minorities so far. He feels sad for them. But what happened a couple months ago bothers him as a black student. Just seeing things like the wall be desecrated and have a, like a person hanging from it and 
racial comments being written all over it just shows that someone or a group of people out there are kind of racist. The president of the International Student Union, Hashim Pashtun, also noticed racism and says... At every institute and every place where there's a people from different backgrounds and diverse cultures, racism kind of comes up naturally. That's why Hashim says the question shouldn't be, is racism here? The main question should be, is there any steps taken to avoid the side effects of racism, to avoid the side effects of diversity, to resolve the pro racism problems on campus? So what steps is OU taking to avoid racism on campus? The university definitely has done some things to try and address the racism that's on campus, but some things have taken a lot longer than others in addressing these things, for instance. Jasmine says the university should include some teaching about intolerant speech during the Bobcat Student Orientation Week. Things that would be as simple as that haven't been implemented yet. Dr. Sherry Clark is the Vice Provost for Diversity and Inclusion. She says the university is making progress. We're doing so many initiatives. We have a Diversity Advisory Council. So when we have particular issues that deal with issues of race or culture, we address those issues immediately. The president has formed a new diversity task force where students, faculty, staff, alumni are all coming together to talk about issues of diversity. She also says a big part of Ohio University's work is to make sure that the students get taught about other cultures. We're exposing people to differences, different personalities, different backgrounds, different points of view, so that you have a comfort level when you leave here of dealing and working in a place where people are different from yourself. And more. Dr. Clark highlights the student ambassadors. The ambassadors are a group of select, trained peer educators. And what makes them unique is that they go out as a unit and share their experiences about who it is that they are and what it's like to be diverse on this particular campus. But when most of the students say they fear racism on campus, is Ohio University doing enough to combat it? I don't know if it's enough. In my opinion, we can always be doing more. So there should be things coming out of the faculty. There should be programming and services coming with the deans and the administration. Dr. Clark also feels more can be done. So do we need to do more? Of course we do. But we're doing the very best we can right now with the resources that we have and with the time that we have. And fortunately, we have made diversity a priority on this campus. For Krishan, the most important thing is to identify those who spread racism on campus, not to punish them. He says we should help them. For the outlet, I'm Arnold Wander. That's it for our show this week. Thanks for joining us. The Outlet is co-produced and co-hosted each week by me, Grace Warner, and Abby Grise. We are edited by Atish Badia, Susan Tebbin, and Allison Hunter. Adam Rich is our technical assistant. Our theme music is performed by Ryan Gabos. Subscribe to The Outlet on SoundCloud and iTunes, or find us online at woub.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at Outlet underscore WOUB. We'll be back after the new year with more stories from the Athens and Ohio University communities. Have a great holiday and thanks for listening.